Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Sometimes troubles and difficulties in our lives as believers can be due to discipline on God's part. Now, that's not always the case. We need to be clear about that. But there are times when our suffering and our afflictions can be directly linked to disobedience in our life. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 5 through 13, in a message titled, The Chastening of the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness." Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. All right, so we're picking up here in... um, really in the fifth verse of the 12th chapter. And as we return to our study in the epistle, of course, we're we're picking up right in the middle of this exhortation that the author is giving to his readers, encouraging them to persevere, encouraging them to endure, warning them against turning back from their commitment to Christ and challenging them and pointing them back in their history to others that have exercise their faith under difficult circumstances and calling them to, to emulate those people from history past, Abraham and Sarah and Moses and David and, and people like that. But then you remember he brought us to the ultimate example 
in perseverance and endurance, and that's Jesus. So reminding them to, to look to Jesus. He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. And it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he, sa- he says to them that they, even though he doesn't diminish the fact that they are suffering, he says that you've not suffered as severely as others have, for you have not yet resisted to the shedding of your own blood, striving against sin. And then he says this, and you have forgotten. So there was something that they'd never really factored in to the suffering that they were experiencing. And what that was, he said, was they had forgotten whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So that was something that they didn't factor into their experience. That what was going on with them was actually a chastisement from the Lord. Now, as we look at the the whole picture of what was happening with them, these are some of the things that we see. They were neglecting their salvation because the the writer warned them against doing that. They were neglecting their salvation. Uh, They had grown dull of hearing. Uh, Spiritually, their hearts had become hard. Uh, They had failed to progress in their faith, and they were entangled in sin. And yet, seemingly, they were oblivious to the fact that these kinds of things would bring about God's discipline. Sometimes troubles and difficulties in our lives as believers can be due to discipline on God's part. Now, that's not always the case. We need to be clear about that. But there are times when our suffering and our afflictions can be directly linked to disobedience in our life. And so when we find ourselves in the midst of affliction, when we find ourselves uh, facing you know, various difficulties, we should always, I think just as a, a good rule, we should always just ask ourselves the question and ask God the question as well. But we should ask the question, is there something that God is wanting to correct me on? in my life as his child? Are are these circumstances that I'm going through, are are these intended by God to be disciplinary? Are they intended by God to be corrective? Because it might very well be the case. But like them, we might not have ever considered that. We might just be thinking, well, you know, why is this happening to me? And I don't like this. And what kind of a God is there who would allow me to experience these kinds of challenges and hardships and so forth? But it could very well be the case that these things have been allowed by God to come into our lives for the very purpose of getting us back to where we need to be. David, in the Psalms, he wrote much about the Lord's discipline. He wrote about his own experience of it. In Psalm 119, David wrote these words. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then a little further on in the Psalm, he said, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. So this this is just one example. Many of the Psalms have similar kinds of things 
where David is acknowledging that he is being corrected by God. His sufferings are the direct result of God's intervention to discipline him in order to do that work in his life that he wants to do. So this is something that we have to be uh, conscious of, that there are times when this, this is going to happen. There, and like I said, it's not always the case that when we go through these types of things that it's a, a direct discipline from God, but sometimes it is. But there's also the element of training that he actually refers to here. Um, God sometimes allows hardship to come into our life as a, as a means of training us and further strengthening us and further equipping us to be the people that he's called us to be. So those are kind of just the preliminary things to keep in mind as we move forward here. So as we look back at the text from verse five on through verse 13, there are three things that, that we see that I want to uh, highlight for you. Number one is that God, as a good loving father, disciplines his children. Secondly, discipline or chastening is painful. There's no question about that. And then thirdly, God disciplines us for our own benefit. And then finally, we want to see how we respond to that. So looking at the first point, God is a good loving father, disciplines his children. And that's what we're told here. You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Think of that word for a second, despise. And that's sometimes what we do. We despise this but he says, don't despise it because it's actually beneficial to us. Now, I don't ever remember as a kid when I was disciplined, I don't ever remember welcoming the discipline. And, you know, from certain generations, you know, we, everybody kind of repeats this from generation to generation, you know, how, how as a parent that, you know, the parent would always say, you know, now, now listen, son, or, or listen, sweetie, you know, I'm doing this for your benefit. You know, this is hurting me more than it's hurting you. And, you know, when you're the kid on the receiving end of that, you think, oh, that's ridiculous. How could that be the case? But, you know, when you become a parent, you kind of realize that that's true. You don't really want to have to discipline your child in a in a way that's going to be painful for them. But you know, if you love them, you know that this is necessary. You know that it needs to be done. As a good, loving father, you are going to correct your children. And so a loved child will be corrected. And we're not to despise that correction we're not to be discouraged when we are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and he scourges every son he receives. It's this chastening is an evidence to us of God's love for us. Now, the book of Proverbs is full of instruction on child discipline for parents. And the book of Proverbs remind us that, reminds us that he that refuses to discipline his child actually hates his child. 
Now you think about that for a second. Some people in our culture today would say that that's absolutely crazy. People in our culture today think that any form of discipline, especially if it involves spanking or something like that, they see that as just a completely negative thing. They see that as something that is unacceptable. And they, they see it sometimes as, as something that's hateful toward a child. But the Bible says no, just the opposite. If you refuse to discipline your child, the Bible says you actually hate them. Because discipline is preventative. Discipline is corrective. Discipline in the life of a child is preparing them for adulthood. And it's meant to prevent them from things later in life that could destroy them uh, from, from happening. So... The idea that somehow you actually love your child more if you never correct them is an idea that is completely contradictory to the biblical picture. A loved child will be corrected. You know, it's interesting how even with children, there's something in a child that actually even at times cries out for discipline. And there's something in a child that there's even some sort of a sense that, uh, that a lack of discipline is kind of a lack of love. And we've seen it many times over where, you know, a child will just push the limits, you know, just kind of go out of control, really almost like looking for somebody to step in and discipline them. And when that discipline finally takes place, if it does, there's a sense of relief on the part of the child. There's a sense of, okay, I, I'm, I'm actually really loved. Many, many years ago, I, I have only ever one time disciplined somebody else's child. Because that's just something you don't do, right? I mean, you know, you discipline your own children, but you don't discipline anybody else's child. But there was one child who was the child of our, our very dear friends. And this, this kid was... Man, he was, he was wild. He was out of control. And his parents, it got to the point where they were afraid to discipline him because it was just too, it was too dramatic of a situation. So they got to the point where they, they weren't disciplining him. And he, he was just getting more and more and more out of control. And so somehow, I don't remember how, we, he ended up spending the weekend with us somehow. And undoubtedly, that was at Cheryl's invitation, not mine. But during the course of the weekend, he just, you know, just went into all of his little antics. And one thing I vividly remember was opening the front door of our house, and he was standing there on the porch with the hose in his hand, turned up full blast. And the minute we opened the door, he just started hosing down, you know, the entryway to our house. And that was just one of the things that he did in the, <laughs> the brief time that he was with us. But there came a point where I just thought, okay, we, we're not going to survive 24 hours unless, <laughs> unless something is done here. So I took it upon myself, like I said, I never have done this before or since, to discipline him. And I took him upstairs and I just paddled him. And, you know, there was much protestation on his part. I mean, he was giving me all the reasons why, you know, I could not do this and this was wrong. And he was, you know, he really got to a point where he was so, he would bite and scream and kick and roll and 
convulse and everything. And his, his mother told me she thought that he was demon-possessed. That's how bad it had gotten. And, you know, if he was, I was going to make sure that demon was exercised before he left our home. So anyway, I really, I really gave him a couple of whacks. And I did it a couple times. And, you know, here's the most amazing thing. Seriously, the next day, he got up, and all he wanted to do was be right at my side the whole, the whole day. And then later, <laughs> later, you know, a bunch of things happened after this, and his parents, we told him what went on and everything. And they were, you know, a little bit like, are you sure that was okay? But then when they saw the result, they were like, wow, you know, that was, thank you for doing that. And, um, but sometime later, they were uh, talking to him, and they were just asking him, you know, what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he said, I want to be Pastor Brian. <laughs> His name was Brian, actually. Uh, but he was talking about me, you know. Uh, but somehow, in this brief little moment of discipline, it really did something for him. And he's a wonderful young guy today. He's in his 20s, and we've known the family all these years. So we're still on great terms, even after I did that. But... Um, <laughs> But, you know, he was on a course, really, he was on a dangerous course. And had that gone unchecked, I mean, I'm sure at some point his parents would have gotten a clue and started doing that. But, you know, he was on a dangerous course and discipline and correction brought him. And, of course, this is what it does. It brings people back from that path of destruction. And that's what it does for us. God disciplines us because he loves us because he knows that the course that we're on is going to harm us more if we continue on that course. So a loved child will be corrected. Also, we see here in the passage that those without correction are actually not children. He says in verses seven and eight, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, if you're without correction of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Oh, this is serious stuff because it's telling us that if we can sin without correction, without the intervention of God, without the discipline of God, then we're really not God's children. One of the evidences that we are the children of God is that we can't sin and get away with it. There's going to be a disciplinary act on God's part at a certain point to correct us and to get us back to where we need to be. If that never happens, it's an indicator that we're not really the children of God. So the children of God, because they're loved by God, should expect discipline to come. We should expect discipline to come our way. So God is a good, loving father, disciplines his children. Secondly, discipline can be and, and really has to be painful. And he tells us, notice in verse 11, he says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. You know, I love the honesty of the Bible. That's one of the beauties of scripture. You know, scripture is honest. It doesn't sugarcoat things. It doesn't deny the obvious. You know, the interesting thing is some preachers will sugarcoat things. Some preachers would give the impression that, you know, we would never have any kind of painful experience. 
But that's not the case. Because discipline is painful. It can be very unpleasant. There's no chastening that seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. What does discipline look like? Well, I just want to take it primarily from what it looks like here in Hebrews. What's happening with these people? Well, we know that they're being persecuted. Now, in their particular case, the author is implying that this persecution, God is using this as a disciplinary measure with them. Now, like I said, not not every persecution would be discipline, but in this case, it seems to be that that's what he's saying. So persecution can be a form of discipline. If God's people are living in disobedience to him, he can use and sometimes will use hostile forces to bring them back to a place of obedience and trust in him. But the other thing that we see with them is that they suffered loss. They lost possessions, we know. They took the spoiling of their goods with joy. They lost position. In some cases, they lost persons in the sense of, you know, relationships maybe were broken as a result. And so these are the kinds of things that can happen when we're going through a time of chastisement. Also, sickness would be another means by which God might chasten us at times. As we go, like I said earlier through the Psalms, as David said, before I was afflicted, I think what he's talking about there is some sort of sickness. And there's several Psalms that seem to indicate that there was a sickness involved in David's particular sufferings. So persecution, loss of possession, position, relationships, sickness, these are all the things that sometimes can be the means through which God disciplines us. But again, for clarification, I'm not saying that when you're persecuted or sick or you lose your possession position, that always means that it's, a, that it's a chastisement. It doesn't always mean that, but it can mean that. So that's why we have to be honest uh, when these things are happening to us. We have to be honest and we have to look at our own hearts and we have to ask God to search our hearts to say, Lord, you know, what is at the root of this? What is, what is behind this? Are you trying to correct me? Now, sometimes it's pretty obvious. We know it. And, it. and it becomes crystal clear immediately. These things start happening. We already know that we've got issues, that we're in sin in certain areas, and we, may, we connect those dots. Okay, this is, yeah, this is because of that, and we get things right. But sometimes it's not that easy. And that's why we need to think it through. We need to pray about it and consider it and... You know, there, there are times when it might be a little more difficult to draw that conclusion, but that is indeed the case. So chastening is painful, but the objective, of course, is to always bring us back into the right place. Whenever we think of discipline, whether it's God disciplining us or let's say church discipline. Church discipline is something that's not talked too much about today. But you know, there's a place in scripture where discipline is to take place in the context of the church, the body of Christ. When people sin, and not just sin because we all sin, but when people are in open disobedience to God, open revolt to God's authority in his word, there are times when church leaders are called upon to discipline people. 
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. One of my favorite newer authors is Rebecca McLaughlin. She wrote the book Confronting Christianity a few years back, which was the book of the year at the time. And she's done a new book called Confronting Jesus. And in it, she is looking at nine encounters that people had with Jesus and answering really important questions that people are asking today. So I can't recommend Rebecca enough. She just does an excellent job. And I know you're going to appreciate this book, Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with a Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Jesus by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.